When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Post Media Podcast. I'm Derek Van Deest of Post Media. Alongside me is Rob Tuchkowski and Dan Barnes of Post Media. And we're here to discuss some Oilers. And uh, let's start off with, first off, Dan, has the bloom come off the rose for the Edmonton Oilers? After winning seven of their first eight, they've now lost six of their last eight. What's going on down there in Edmonton? <laughs> well, they can't score. They're still getting decent goaltending, I think. Um, they're, they can't get the puck out of their own end. They're really loose defensively. And they, they tend to give up the first goal within the first two to five minutes or whatever it is and chase the game, and it's, it's hard when you can't score. And they, for whatever reason, they are in a, a scoring slump from top to bottom. Uh, McDavid hasn't scored for eight games. And though he's dishing off, and still creating opportunities, he's not shooting the puck enough, and the guys he's feeding clearly aren't scoring. So put it all together, you play from behind and you can't score, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> uh, Rob, you were talking to these guys about they thought they were real. Do you think they're real? I, they're, more, they're not as real as people thought they were, yeah. but maybe right now they're not quite as bad. Like they're, they're you know they've they've lost twice to the Rangers and once to Pittsburgh. Those might be two of the three best teams in the National Hockey League. So it's I, there. There's a lot going wrong, and it's the same stuff every game. It's the bad start. It's the you know the second and third line has just been invisible. They're forcing you know Maroon and and uh, McDavid and Talbot to basically carry the team, and they can only do so much in that respect. So. Uh, believe it or not, I think when they go out west, which is normally where they go to die, this is where they'll sort of go to sort of maybe, you know, be reborn again and try and prove themselves against the likes of uh, Anaheim and Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, they when they were seven and one, nobody thought for a minute that they were going to continue that pace for the rest of the way. But I think, I think they sh- well, I know they should be better than they are right now. It's just a question of of uh, getting there. Now, to me, it seems like this team. The Rangers come in last night, and they have 10 guys with at least 10 points. The Oilers have two with at least 10 points. So you're looking at they have no depth when it comes to scoring, and obviously last night Todd McClellan called out some guys, Jordan Eberle for one, and Milan Lucic kind of dropped off a cliff now. Is the problem, how do they fix that scoring depth problem, or is it just a matter of some guys aren't going right now, Dan? Yeah, it's, it's the fact that people who have proven they can score between 20 and 25 goals are not on that kind of a pace. And it may well be momentary, right? In, given an 82-game schedule, you can call five games momentary, I think. Um, so it's, it's going poorly for those guys. But, yeah, they, 
you know, Lucic is is a, I think he's the microcosm. He's fallen off the first line. He he now plays on occasion. He plays third line minutes. Yeah. Right, and that's just I mean that's not good enough. A for the money, and B for the impact you thought this guy was going to have coming in. But he's only one of them. Everly again. Everly had to be taken off McDavid's wing because he's not cashing in. This is a guy who has the hands, if he's in the mix, to score 30. But he, he's more likely to get 20. And you just can't afford to have him dragging down the top line. So a guy like Pitlick, with no experience up there at all, suddenly gets a sniff there. And, you know, he, play, he plays hard. He skates in straight lines. He goes to the right areas. But he's probably not a 25-goal man. So they're in, they're in trouble all the way through. The That's problem with this team is that if the who's ever not playing with McDavid is not going. I yeah. guess is that is that one of the issues here? Yeah, I was looking through the things today, and and you know they look at Drysital, uh, Lucic, Pouliot, and um, Nugent Hopkins combined have seven points in this eight-game slide of theirs. They know that's thirty-two man games, and these four guys have combined for seven points. Well, that's why they're two five and one in that stretch. You can't have just one line going. Because oftentimes teams are not looking at that McDavid matchup and putting their best guys against Edmonton's second line, and, and they're getting slaughtered in that respect. So, you know, it's it's and then it's a lot of the same guys that have been problems in the past and years before, like Pouliot. It's all you know the the old school guys are still are still struggling, while Maroon and and McDavid and some of the new guys are sort of holding up their end of the bargain. It's it's, it's the old school guys that are kind of back to their old habits, and that's what you know uh, McClellan was talking about today. That you know you got to get the second and third line going because in this league, you know it's 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 a fast league, and, and it's the first team to three, and the Oilers you know are often starting minus one when the by the time the game is a couple minutes old. Yeah, well we'll get that get to that in a second. I just want to go back to Pouliot for a second here. This is a very polarizing figure. Some guys love him, some guys hate him, some guys just are indifferent about him. My personal opinion is that there's too many dead minutes when when Pouliot's on the ice. Not enough happens, and then he'll he'll score in spurts, and then everyone says, "What a wonderful player he is." I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on on a guy like Pouliot to start off with. Then maybe we can go around the table with a couple of other guys. But first off, what do you think of Pouliot? Well, I don't think he can be any more than your third line left winger, right? Uh, if he's getting more minutes than that, as you said, too many of them are dead minutes. So, but on a team like this right now that's struggling. Um, you need better options ahead of him, and you've got Maroon, and then what, right? Because you've got Lucic struggling just as badly as Pouliot is. And Lucic, for my money, isn't throwing his body around enough. And now he may well do that in Los Angeles because he's got history there. He might well do that in Anaheim because he would have had history against the Ducks playing for the Kings. So maybe he wakes up on this three-game road trip because it is they are going to be tough barns to play in. But So, you know, you've got... <laughs> You got Maroon, and then you got a bunch of people not doing their job on the left side, and it eventually they have to come around. But do you give up on a guy like Pouliot? I mean, he's got a big ticket. You're not going to get anything for him anyway, right? So you just have to co- coach these people through their slumps. Yeah, I think Pouliot got rattled at the start when he took all those penalties. Like his his bread and butter is kind of like being aggressive on the forecheck and trying to create turnovers. And then he takes all those penalties, and now he's a, a little bit scared to to be that guy up front. And now he's just doing nothing. Like yeah. he's not taking penalties, but he's not generating anything, especially you know for a guy who's getting sort of premium minutes on that line. And the thing with this team is it's kind of they've built it so it should be able to, you know, when you play the Rangers or the Penguins, a fast skating team, you have enough fast skating skill players that they should be the guys who shine in that game. And then when you go to L.A. and Anaheim, you have enough guys that, you know, the Lucic and the Maroons and the Cassians should be able to shine in that game. You should be able to handle it both ways. 
Well, they just went to a couple of speed games, and, and their speed skill guys just didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Like Lucic, you don't expect him to be you know, uh, standing out against the Rangers maybe or the Penguins, but you do expect it to happen against LA and Anaheim, and I think it will. But against Pittsburgh and the Rangers, you know, there was the Everleys and the Pouliots and the Nugent Hopkins and all those guys that they're counted on to be, you know, fast-skilled players didn't hold up their end of the bargain, and, and that's why they came away with those losses. Now, I just want to bring up a point here. Uh, just, I was thinking about this and discussing this with a couple of people. Chris Russell's out of the lineup right now, and they, were, they played very well with Chris Russell there. And again, Chris Russell's another guy that a lot of people don't like, and a lot of people think he's fantastic. Chris Russell was... The team was playing well. He was able to move the puck up the ice. He blocks a lot of shots. How badly is this team missing Chris Russell, or are they at all? I think they are, but I also think his game was was sliding a bit before he got hurt. He had a great start, like super start. And then he was, I think he was struggling a bit in his own zone. But yeah, he, he moves the puck well enough. He skates well enough. He's got, I think he's got better one-on-one moves when he has to than a lot of people think he does. So sure, it's a it's a dynamic performer that they're missing, mm-hmm. but I mean, is he the reason that they suddenly go into this funk? I don't think so. It's just it's too widespread for that. Yeah, he's a part of it, and I think the the other problem is is Clefbaum and and uh, Nielsen aren't as good as they as everybody or as as they'd hoped they would. Larson, be. Larson, sorry, mm-hmm. aren't as good as they'd hoped they would be. And now for that reason, when 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 uh, you know he was in the lineup, he was taking a little bit of that pressure off, and now it's you know it's. They don't quite have the depth that they thought or hoped they had on defense, especially with uh, Davidson being out as well. Now I want to go. I want to circle back to Eberle a little bit here, uh, and this is a guy that you said you said it. That he's got all the skill in the world, and he should be sometimes he should be dominant in games, but he's not in that in that vein. And I, the understanding was that the Oilers were looking at perhaps moving him, you know, last summer or the summer before that to try and get a piece. Does he survive the season here in Edmonton, or is he a guy that eventually will be moved out? I think it's up to him. Like the really, I mean, he's everything that tied him to the Oilers is gone. It's yeah. it's a new regime. Like and they traded a guy who was better than him. Yeah. So there there's no hesitation whatsoever to move Jordan Eberle, and he can be an attractive piece in a certain situation. Like a guy who who has some decent hands could be a good fit on some other clubs. Uh, but I think he likes it here, and he's got a you know. Listen, you're playing on the first line with Connor McDavid and a and a big winger, whoever it is, on the other side. That's a great situation for him. He's got to step up and make the best of it, and there's not much to it. You know, it's not a fighting league anymore. You can't cross-check people in the back like they did when Craig Simpson was around. You hang around the net, you know, put up with a little bit, not too much, and just and finish those chances, and that's all he has to do. And maybe skate a little harder on the back check. Some of those were, were, were pretty you know, egregious that he's just coasting back while the other team's, you know, putting the puck in his end. But, you know, there's not much more. They're not asking a whole bunch more from him, just, you know, some more, you know, he's not doing enough. He's cutting some corners. That's well, a, it was telltale that they didn't move him, right? Yeah. Because you can't get the kind of piece they wanted a number one or number two defenseman for a guy like Everly right now because he's too much a perimeter player. He, if he gets in the mix, as he did as a junior, right? He was always scoring the huge goals as a junior. That's that's what everybody bought. So, yeah, Robbie's right. You got to just do a little bit more, and it. It's not a ton. It's not outside his comfort zone, or at least it shouldn't be, right? Just take a little bit of, of physical play to go to the dirty areas, and then, for God's sakes, don't dust the puck off. Just shoot the dang thing. He he overhandles the puck more than anybody on that team, and he doesn't need to. 
Yeah, and that's always been his thing. He's always got to stick out a lid and yeah. chop it up a little before he takes a yeah. shot. But you mentioned the back checking thing, and that's always been an issue. And we, we mm-hmm. see it from the press box how he he is he's probably the guy that changes when the team's going back the other way more often than any other order. Now it's starting to become real noticeable. The goal the other night, it was his guy that beat him down to the puck. Is this is this a big issue? Is this something that someone's looking at going, hey, this guy doesn't play his own end of the ice? Yeah, Devin McLeod was even talking about that today because I listed off all the guys who had no points in the last eight games. He's got like six, two goals and four assists or something like that and still got punted off the first line and, and uh, scolded by the coach because he's the other end of his game is so lax is lacking so much that it, it's it's an issue like you can put up six points and still not be helping the team and that's kind of the position he's in so it tells you how much work has to be done uh, on the other side of center and, and McClellan isn't a guy that is going to tolerate this isn't six years ago when you know they're the only guys they have and they have a coach who isn't you know doesn't want to rattle you know all these all these uh kids with the big contracts and the and the and the first round draft status this is a coach that's and a general manager that insists that this team change its ways and if if not you know you're out let's go there because Todd McClellan seems to have wanted to raise the bar there's no more we played well and lost here in Edmonton he's upset even though they they got 40 shots last night against Mm -hmm. the Rangers they had a lot of opportunities in the past a lot of people have said well that's the New York Rangers they had four scoring lines and they were right there with the Rangers they outshot them pat ourselves on the back good night but McClellan didn't do that last night he tore into them is that just a sign that he wants more out of this group and he's raising the bar a little bit? Well, not only does he want more, he knows there's more there. Any team that starts 7-1, and one, I mean, nobody expects them to go, you know, every eight-game segment with one loss. But at 7-1, and one, you're a better team. You, you have the capability to be a better team. So he has to demand more because it's there. He knows it's there. He's seen it. And he's, he knows the people who have given him more even eight games ago. And they're not doing it now. So they didn't suddenly become really crap hockey players. They're just in a funk, and they're just not working hard enough. And McDavid talked about that last night, um, you know, just work harder. And it was curious because both he and Lucic said, we've got to stick together as a team. That's a little odd already, right? Yeah. I mean, is that an issue? Why would that be an issue 16 games in? We have to stick together as a team. That, it just When I heard it from two of them, that was obviously the the message from the captains or the coach and i just wondered why i needed to hear that it seems like the mood is changing a bit like pittsburgh they barely lost that game new york they barely lost that game those were hard fought heartbreaking losses and they played well enough to go into both of those buildings and win and since then the 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 it's gone down the meter's gone down a little bit the last two losses have have not been good so uh, I think you know they're worried that the mood is sort of slightly changing, and it's the oh boy, we're, you know, we're the Oilers again, kind of a mentality, and maybe they want to they shock everybody out of that and let them know that, like you know, listen, let's not let things go the other way when they were just they were right there for so long. Now I want to ask about Shirelli and his willingness to make a move if he sees this going south real quickly. I know the the last regime was kind of afraid to make a move, and by the time they did, it was usually the season was already over. They got off to this great start. Now they're at a point where that great start is going to be washed off. If they go back and have a bad road trip and lose two or three or lose all three, suddenly everyone's forgetting about that 7-1 start. Do you think Shirelli pulls the trigger quick and tries to get this ship righted, or is he going to wait this out and see what he has? I don't think he pulls the trigger quickly because the one move that he wanted to make all summer long was get another defenseman. He got Chris Russell. Chris Russell's now hurt, but eventually he'll get back, I imagine. Um, when he does, they'll be a little bit deeper, a little bit stronger on the blue line. 
And that's certainly part of their problem because they're not exiting their zone the way they used to, right, when they got off to the great start this year. Now they inevitably they cough it up a couple of times and they eventually have to just clang it off the glass. And so it's not pretty. They're, they're not getting out of their zone with any momentum, generally speaking. So if that was his first move, or does he go get a scorer? I don't think he, go get, he, he goes to get a scorer either. I, just, I think you have to live with this for a little bit longer. Um, at, off the top of the season, I thought that the end of November might be a decent measuring stick. 24 games in, right, more than a quarter of the season. You might have a better understanding of what you've got there. I still think he's got room for patience. Yeah, and it's hard to make it's hard to make trades. Like this is a market that's always like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna make a trade, and they haven't made a trade for. It's just hard to make a player for player trade. I mean, you know, they had time and space to do something with Taylor Hall, and and you know, people are really that's that's all you got out of it. So, I know I, I, Everly, I think would fetch considerably less even. So, I, I I think they just have to try and work these guys out of it, and and you know, try and cajole them to to be better somehow, and it's a it's a bit of a delicate balance, right? Like it's these guys have been set in their ways for a long time. What they think is acceptable and and will will get you where you need to be is not. It's actually right here, and they're sort of being conditioned right now to 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 to, to learn that what they've been doing for the past five, six, seven years is is not even close to what it takes to win in the National Hockey League. They have a three-game road trip. Rob, we'll start with you. What are they doing on this road trip? What do you think is going to happen? I think they'll be better. Like I think they have played some tough teams, and I think you know this is a, you know, LA is not you know what LA used to be anymore. Anaheim just coming off a five nothing loss, so they might be a tall order at home. Uh, you know, Dallas isn't especially strong. But I just, I think the Oilers in the way they're made, like they were sort of built in the you know over the last year and over the summer to be able to go into Los Angeles and Anaheim and and not only win a physical battle, but then have the players to to get you the goals to win the game as well. So. I think, you know, at least three points out of this is very realistic. Dan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I see that, too. I mean, the five-gamer, you know, they come away with a record of 2-2-1 two, two, and one there. And it, in a couple of tough parts, right? I mean, they weren't going to win in both Pittsburgh and New York in Madison Square. I thought they would have got one of those, and they probably should have got one of those. So I, I think they can hold their own on the on the road. They are not a delicate team anymore. Right? They, weren't, they aren't a team that comes into your barn and you know you're going to dominate them. So they've got a little bit more uh, size, physicality. As long as those players who have to deliver that, and that's Lucic and Maroon and Cassian, as long as they're ready and willing to go, and I think they are, they ought to be after this lousy homestand, the, the mini homestand where they lose two. So they'll be better. Um, they seem to play pretty well on the road. I think, yeah, a, a 500 road trip would be acceptable perfect and we'll leave it at that I want to thank on behalf of Post Media Dan Barnes Rob Tichkowski I'm Derek Van Deest thanks for joining us